You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Season 2, new intro, let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Once again, I gotta send a shout out to my line brother, my dog, DMV rapper on the come up, Lockershaw, for providing the intro and Dream Out Loud, man. I've been getting amazing feedback from the intro. Woo! Season 2, we here. Man, y'all have supported the podcast so crazy. We've already passed over a thousand downloads on episode one with it. Guys, the CEO of He Free here. Shout out. I've been, I've been, I've been reading your tweets. I've been reading your emails, been reading your text messages, been getting the phone calls. I appreciate the love and support. We have come a long way. We 22 episodes in. It's crazy. It's so surreal right now. So I'm not going to hold y'all on the intro before we get to our guest today because, man, we have another gem of an episode. I just want to do a couple housekeeping things. Number one, if you're listening to this on an iPhone device via SoundCloud, please stop listening via SoundCloud. Go to iTunes and find the podcast on iTunes, Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and subscribe. Two, if y'all have an iPhone, please, please, please. Rate the podcast as well. I, I, I love rating, so rate the podcast. And also, if you're listening on an Android device, if you're listening via SoundCloud, make sure you follow our SoundCloud because that's where you can keep up to date with all the new offerings and whatnot. Boom. Also, if you want to be on the show, you want to get featured on the show, or you know somebody that'd be great, any improvements to the show ever, send me an email, greg at greggyhill.com. You can find me online, gregoryhill.com. I'm Gregory Hill at Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. Snapchat, I'm Gregory E. Hill. And I answer all questions and inquiry. If I don't get back to you in the next couple of days, I know I usually have a lot of time during the weekend. So any requests, anything you need done for the show, please rate us, like us, follow us, and definitely, most importantly, share with a friend. All right? And let's continue to grow and build. So like I said, thank you. We wouldn't be anywhere today without the support of you, the listener, and what we're trying to do. And before I get into the show, I also, it's a shameless plug, but I have a book coming out on the way, May 20th. Remember, you're a genius again. And for more information on that book and where you can find it, go to gregehill.com backslash book. That's all I'm going to say on that. Let's jump and to oh shout out to freaking London the UK been showing me so much love like y'all make the boy feel good with y'all messages on LinkedIn on Twitter man we go we go we gonna do a live podcast in UK one day and shout out to Hungary as well Hungary Hungary's out there I'm talking about all over the country y'all supporting the podcast making it do what it do and we love y'all we love y'all and of course US North Carolina DC Virginia New York 
I, 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 I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the feeling of love. The East Coast rock, and we need to get our West Coast partners on it. <laughs> so enough of me. Let's get into the show. And I'm your host, Greg E. Hill, the Culture Change Agent. On this show, we interview young, successful minority leaders in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation of leaders. And man, do I got a show for y'all today. I mean, if you're an educator, if you're a teacher, if you work in youth urban development space, this show is especially for you. And today's future guest, I'm going to read to a little bit to his bio because I'm excited. Y'all can tell I'm speaking fast. I'm excited because, let, let me just talk about it real quick. Born and raised in the city of Patterson, New Jersey, he's always possessed a fervent affection to provide and empower our urban youth. I mean, he's obtained his first degree in math education from Montclair State University. He was also a member of the football team there. Um, earned his master's degree in educational leadership while teaching full-time at Eastside High School in New Jersey, um, Newark, New Jersey. And in 2008, just three years after he started teaching, he got his first leadership role as a department chairperson of mathematics at Malcolm X Shabazz High School in New Jersey. And after just two years after that, he was promoted to vice principal. And then at the age of 28, he was promoted to principal of Malcolm X Shabazz High School. And this is where the story gets deep, right? This story gets deep. All right, so listen up, listen up. The school was one of the most troubled schools in Newark Public School District. I mean, with the history of low test scores, was on the verge of closing. I even read online in one year, check this out, they had over 116 people pull the fire alarm. Like, I, I, I looked at that, I was like, what? That don't make no sense. That's crazy. I'm talking about lean on me type status. And he took the challenge, fully implemented his strategy of educational reform by becoming an accessible relatable leader with the school community and allowed him and his staff, I got a shout out to the staff, to drastically improve student test scores and create a safe environment, man. I mean, he's, he's been featured in the Sports Illustrated award-winning series, Underdog, in addition to just online, you type men. Um, man, this man is a man on a mission. He inspires me because I tell y'all, if I'm bringing somebody on the show, I only bring people who inspire me so they can really add value to the audience. I don't just bring people that's popping online. Nah, it's a deep show, real show, transparent show so without further ado i would like to introduce my man my brother principal jamar mills to the minority trailblazer podcast thank that's a great introduction greg <laughs> um, thank, thank you for having me man man no, no doubt man we're gonna we're gonna jump right in right now because i know time is of the essence so as everybody knows the tunes into the show and if you're new to the show i'm gonna break it down for you real quick we talk about the past so who is mr mills principal mills we talk about the present what he does currently on the day-to-day and then we talk about the future and our last and most exciting round is our culture change round. So everybody knows how we do it. When we start off, we start off with a quote because I'm a huge quote guy. So Principal Mills, can you tell us a quote and one story? Bring us there on how you apply it to your everyday life. Uh, one of my most favorite quotes that I tell the youth myself, um, I apply it is be who you are and not who people want you to be. Mm. And that's extremely, extremely important in everything that I do. Uh, coming from where I came from, there was a lot of peer pressure from peers of mine. Um, and it was important that I just like did the things that I was interested in versus the things that people wanted me to be a part of. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of violence. There was drugs. There was all types of negativity. But I had to step to the forefront and just say, like, listen, we can be friends, but I'm just not going to be a part of that. And that transfers into my everyday life and education. Because, again, you have people who want to put you into a box 
and be this person that they're looking for you to be. And it's important that I do not stay in that space and that I continue to persevere. That's why it's important that I own my own brand. So I'm able to say the things that I need to say in order to reach the people I need for to be reached mm. um, to impact change within our culture. Nah, and that's real. That's real. And if you could share one particular incident where you ran against that and it's like, man, somebody wanted to be something different and you knew at your core who you were. So can you bring us to that moment? Um, yeah, I, w- I, w- I would say it would be in my past mostly. I mean, I, I was a troubled student mm-hmm. coming up. I had about... I recall an incident where I was with a group of friends. We were out and about in the city. Um, we ran into some people who were actually uh, not our friends. And some of <laughs> uh, the members of the, the the projects in which I lived in had some issues with them. And so I, I left that situation with 400 stitches in my face. Oh. Uh, yeah. And so coming out of that, you know, you would think that the goal would be retaliation to get back to be this person. Um, but I felt like it would just dig a deeper hole into something that I may not be able to get out of should I continue on that path. And so the story goes, my friends come and ask, you know, how do we want to handle this situation? And I said, uh, we need to just move forward from it. Um, it was a lesson learned. And I really, really got myself dedicated to athletics in school at that point, um, which ultimately I think led to saving my life. Uh, my junior year on, I received straight A's. Mm. Um, from the first semester all the way to the fourth. Um, and before you know it, college coaches was calling and asking for my participation in college program and football specifically. And so that was me stepping up to the mass amount of friends that I had that were just interested in me being a part of the things that we grew up in, in which we saw, in which we were taught, to be honest with you, and saying, like, I'm going to do something different. Mm. That's deep, man. 400 stitches to straight age junior year. Like, that's a tagline right there. I don't even know how you can get 400 stitches on your face, but that's a whole other st- the conversation yeah, yeah. of the day. But that's a perfect transition into uh, the first phase of the show when we talk about the past. And every our audience loves this because it paints a picture. Because online, if you type in Jamar Mills, you'll see all these articles about a young principal is out here getting it, changing the culture in the school, in the community. But we just want to paint the picture like of who you are. What is your makeup? Like where are you from? And kind of take us through so somebody that's never heard of you a day in your life and those that do heard of you, that have heard of you. Can you take us a little bit into your, your, your backstory? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm just a kid from Patterson and it just so happens like Patterson is the uh, ranked number seven on the top 10 most violent cities in America right now. Mm. Um, and I still call that home because I think that is work to be done here. But I grew up in the Christopher Columbus Projects, uh, a very well-known projects in the area, uh, known for the wrong things, of course, prostitution, violence, guns, drugs, all of those things. I mean, I'm talking about we had a police station inside of our projects because it was that bad. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, that's a fact. Um, and so just going through that, I would say that what I was able to accomplish there and not knowing at the age was I was literally living what it is that my children go through every day mm-hmm. and I'm able to really see through the minutiae early on mm-hmm. in order to begin to make impact for them much quicker, right, to help them get on their path to success. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from those projects, um, I participated in some things I probably shouldn't have been participating in, 
um, but all the while having mentors that were actually in my ear. Uh, one of my greatest mentors that I'm most thankful for is my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was always present and she was very non-traditional in her ways. Like come home from school. If she think for a second that you're high, it's time to go to the doctor immediately to be drug tested. Are you serious? Right. I'm dead serious. <laughs> so she didn't say, are you high? She, you, she took you to the doctor to get a drug test. Yes. Yeah. She wasn't playing any games, man. Done. <laughs> Now she would she would uh come down in front of the building, make sure that nothing was going on. I wasn't, you know, hustling any drugs or anything. She would send my uncles out there and they would embarrass me in front of my friends to kind of just again ensure that I wasn't taking the path that many of them had taken, as well as my uncles, and I getting caught up in the game. Uh from there, I mean, I went to high school, I fell in love with football. I thought I was going to the NFL, <laughs> um, which was okay. Because uh, I learned some skills that were applicable to other assets, I mean, other facets of my life. Mm. And that was huge. And so once I got to college, I continued to play ball there. Um, I would say it was my junior year where I decided that, you know, football wasn't necessarily going to be my ticket. And I want to focus in on my studies. I did so, received a couple of scholarships while I was present at the college um, to pay for my tuition as well as uh, give me some additional money to just take care of myself because at the time um, we were still on Section 8. Mm. My mom was still on Section 8, my sisters, um, and I was just trying to get it done for my family. So the first of four to, to, to graduate high school and go to college. So it was a big deal that I was still going mm-hmm. um, three years into the game, first-generation college student. Um. Four years later, I I graduate, I get my degree in math education, and I had a job waiting for me. That was the the most beautiful thing about going through the process, that there were people who were counting on me to get it done, Mm -hmm. and they really stuck to their word and uh, gave me the things that I needed when I achieved my goal. Wow. That's that's real, man. I wanna, I wanna. I was reading an article online because I, I remember you said, although your dream was to go to the NFL, and and and, and you kind of changed it a little bit down the line. You said that dream helped spur a couple things in your in your life to kind of get you where you are today. Because I've read an article about it from a teacher. You probably saw it online too. That went viral about Steph Curry and Steph Curry. Please don't come to our school. And it was basically saying that. If an athlete comes to school and tells it shows his experience about being an NBA player, that that gives it the, the the kids the wrong impression, and they don't talk about all this other stuff and yada 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 yada. And I got a lot of feedback from the article, and I was like, yo, um, a lot of times, you know, the teachers, and I know we're 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 not standing to the crest right now, the present, but I know the teachers, they you tell kids, oh, you need to you don't don't think about the NBA, don't think about being a rapper, don't think about entertainer. But sometimes, and from what I'm kind of gathering from what you just said, maybe that might not be the route to go because even though, say if they don't make it to the NBA or NFL, don't become a rapper, the things they didn't learn as far as how to market and promote their music or how to discipline allowed them to do certain things on the field or on the court, that can kind of propel them to the next level rather than discouraging that. So what's your thoughts on that? Um, Everything that you said is huge, um, and I can only make that applicable to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that my motivation to be an athlete, the passion that I have for it, the amount of time and effort I was willing to dedicate it, get dedicate to it, saved me from the streets, Mm -hmm. right? It was my excuse. It was an acceptable excuse 
for people to say, if he's not out here with us, where is he? And if I was in some type of sport, which I was receiving accolades for and participating in, mm-hmm. I was totally excused, right, from being present in the nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, but also while on that field, there was something that was occurring that I didn't actually have the knowledge for at the time. But I was literally developing my social emotional learning and my 21st century life skills on a daily basis for about four to five hours a day with coaches. So mm-hmm. I learned how to discipline myself. I learned how to be self-aware, how to have confidence. You know, I, my first leadership role was on the football field as a team captain. I learned mm-hmm. how to communicate with team members, how to move as a unit, collaboration. All of these are things that people need in order to thrive in the 21st century outside of a classroom. And so those things that I learned on that football field are totally transferable to anything. I think that what's important is that children develop a passion for something. And if it changes, it's okay that it isn't the end of their world. And they need to be told that more so than they need to be told not to aspire to be, you know, the top 5% in our country. Mm. That's that's powerful, man. And one another thing I, I got from what you just said right there, and audience hold with us right here is you you were able to properly show or or verbally express how those skills are transferable. And I think a lot of times former athletes and even those people, um, they're in college, young professionals out, they have a hard time if they if it's not if they're not working in a corporate America job or something like that, verbalizing certain skill sets and how it transfer. Because I, I for instance, I have a friend of mine, football player, um, he won a lot of awards and whatnot, and he had a hard time getting a job after college. And I and I looked at his resume, his resume was like, yo, you didn't. You, you're not picking up on your main selling point. The things that you learn from the field, working up, waking up every morning at four a.m., getting those workouts in, leading your troops on defensive line, starting out with no scholarship, and then working your way up to all conference. You need to play those things up. And a lot of times, every and this is everybody can relate to this. We get we don't we undersell our our our, our values and our credits, and that's why sometimes we can't get to the career, get to the leverage we want because. We're not really taking into consideration what you do. So that's powerful that you were able to think logically about, okay, this is what I learned. And so if somebody asks you about certain things in an interview or if you're, you're, in a, you're, you're interviewing, getting interviewed by someone, you can properly show those points and showcase the things you work. Because maybe you didn't have summers to get internships when you were playing football or do all this other stuff. But you provide just as much, if not more value than somebody that was in somebody's office working all day. Totally, totally. What led you down the path into teaching and then administration? Because I I see online, I'm like, okay, you went to you 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 majored in math and whatnot, and then a teacher, and then you rapidly rose through the ranks. So, kind of take us through how, where did that transition come from, and and what inspired you to do that? Um, so as a as a youth, I just had this innate ability to like get the attention of younger people, um, and I also was pretty well at test taking. So I would take tests. I was like a first time passer for many of the tests that people would struggle with in my high school because it was an urban high school that was a struggling school. Um, and that led me into tutoring opportunities. Um, and I swear to you, it was like God was preparing me for this life because for the life of me, I was trying to do other stuff, <laughs> like pushing me into it. Um, so at a very young age, I think I was 21 at the time. I got an opportunity to tutor children with the Boys and Girls Club, and um, they made me like an assistant director, uh, which I actually 
transitioned into a daycare that had at the school program, which I was the director of at about 22. Um, so again, working with children, tutoring children, uh, and math was chosen because it was my strongest subject, mm-hmm. not because, you know, I had this belief that I was going to teach the world math, but it was a place where I knew that I was comfortable with, um, in, and then I can reach people through it. And so I majored in math and I pursued a career in teaching. Uh, what I realized while teaching was that I'm only impacting the children who walk into this door each day, which mm-hmm. was about 80 to 100 children. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I need to be working with a greater amount of students if, I, if I'm going to really, really make change in this profession. And mm-hmm. so this is when I began to pursue my master's because I really wanted to do more within the context in which I was in. And uh, to be honest with you, during that, that time frame, I was it was up in the air for me. Like it wasn't a perfect thing. I wasn't totally focused on it. I was throwing parties and trying to flip houses and <laughs> this, <laughs> all the things that, you know, you thought could really be that thing that was going to get you to uh, financial freedom mm-hmm. a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just wasn't working out. I swear, everything was just like, go back to teaching, go do this teaching thing. And uh, I remember taking a loss. I, I lost $30,000 in a real estate deal. Wow. And I was just like, you know, I don't know real estate, but I know education. And I'm going to just put all of my heart and soul into this because uh, it is what matters to me. I am passionate about it. And I know that if I can do great by children, that the benefits will 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 help everyone in the situation. Um, And I buckled down. I, I went after that master's. I pursued it. I got it in about 10 months. Mm. It was an accelerated program. Uh, Postmasters, I actually was re- um, got a job offer from the assistant superintendent to be the chairperson of math. And I was 25. I was working with teachers in the department that were 50 years old <laughs> that have been teaching math for 20 years. And they're looking at me like, what is this kid going to tell me? Uh-huh. Uh, which made me... Uh, wanted even more. Mm-hmm. So now we're talking about how do I catch up with 24 years right now? So I'm literally spending 24 hours a day just ensuring that my pedagogy, my ability, the things that I'm saying to them that I clearly understand policy so that they can and just open up and understand that I am capable and I have the knowledge. And uh, I had success. And, and this is how I was able to be promoted to vice principal. Um, and one of the things I learned along the way was how to build master schedules. Mm. And so in building master schedules, um, I was able to actually turn my ability from building a master schedule into becoming a principal because that was a skill that most people being interviewed just didn't have. What is a master master schedule? schedule? Please, please. (laughs) So when you went to school, mm-hmm. you received a schedule and it told you what classes you go to throughout the day, what time your lunch was, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And it told teachers what room they were in and and uh, throughout the day and so on and so forth. And so essentially, I would take a thousand children and eighty cheap teachers and figure out the matrix in which it fits, oh. so that there would be no conflicts. That you know, a student can go from period one, two, three, four, and five. 
and teachers would be present, ready to teach them the wow. subject that's on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's crazy! Yeah. I didn't know it was that deep. That I didn't. I, I just showed up in the schedule right there. That's a lot of moving pieces, brother. It is, and you know what's crazy about the whole situation is it's a huge part to my ability to transform a school because it's the foundation. Some people randomly do it, and now you have a kid traveling from the fourth floor to the to the gym, which is on the first floor. And if you times that by a hundred, you have a mess oh, trying to clear the hall. I never thought about it like that. That's wow. Okay. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Yeah. And 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 from from that from because I know you 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 touch on some key key things during that. And I want to take three points away from the audience. The first is you focus on a strength like you said math you chose math you didn't say okay what would i like to do or what you said okay i'm already strong in math i'm gonna stick there and then i think that's so important because a lot of times i think we live in a quote society so we 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 jump off on some quotes to be like well follow your passion and whatnot but if you're not good at that then following it might lead you to a path you don't need to go down so you said okay i'm already good at math so i'm gonna go there so you started with your strength something you already had a skill at and then the second part you talk on when you spoke about you losing thirty thousand in a real estate deal you were we were hustling doing all this other stuff because our society now is telling everyone to and I, i mean and some people i might get some feedback on this but i really don't care so everybody's saying okay you need to hustle you need to have multiple streams of income, blah, blah, blah. And I, I agree with that, but it needs to be within your skill set, your your lane that you're amazing at because you were you just honed in on your focus. You said, no, I'm going to give it all to teaching. I'm going to give it all to academia. And that now has allowed you, and we're going to get to it later in the show, to now you speak. Now you consult. Now you teach. And you now you have those multiple streams of income that you were trying to force earlier, right? Correct. It's That's crazy. And then true. the third part is your preparation because you looked in there, all right, you 25 years old and you have, you're teaching, you got 50 year olds, 55 and you're the department. I know you got all type of side eyes, all type of weird energy, but you said, okay, not only am I just going to have a big ego and say, cause I'm young, I'm on the cutting edge. You said, no, I'm going to dedicate however long as it takes. So I'm prepared for every meeting. I'm prepared for every class. I'm prepared to really show everybody that not only um, does somebody up top think I'm the next candidate, but you earn their respect by the preparation you put in. I think a lot of times for someone that is a young leader, sometimes we have this fear, uh, I mean, not this fear, but we, we, what is it? What is it when we're entitled a little bit? Right. And if you just really put in that groundwork of preparation, that will allow separation. It's not, you just separate because you're young and you hit to social media and whatnot. That doesn't mean you can transform a company. No, 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 no. It's more so the preparation you put in. So those three okay. things, as far as strength, focus, and preparation, like if you could, please, I definitely, can you speak on the amount of preparation you put in as far as on a daily basis? I know I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think that's so critical. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, preparation is key. You never want to be out here speaking about things that you're not fully, fully abreast of. You don't, you don't want to tell people things that are life changing for them just because they need an answer right away. <laughs> like that, that is the detriment to your success. I believe that in this world, all you have is your word. I mean, that's your integrity. If you say that you're going to do something or it should be this way, then people believe that. And the more and more that what you say is incorrect, inaccurate, or you don't hold true to it, the more, the less and less people respect you. And Mm -hmm. then when you have no more uh, respect, you have no more power. You're powerless. And I think that what it is that comes out of your mouth 
is extremely important that is accurate uh, and you hold true to it. So preparation is key in making sure that the things that you speak, the stuff that you say, the things that you do, the, the stuff that you promise people is consistent and on target. And I think that's where the power lies. People begin to listen to you because they understand that he's done the work necessary or she's done the work necessary. And I could take that at face value and tell it to someone else and know mm-hmm. that it's going to be accurate. Man, that's that's so powerful. And I can look to you as an example, as a motivational speaker, because I know a lot of people throw around that motivational speaker title nowadays. And I said, OK, so you're speaking to us, but. If you look at their life, how are they like what? OK, you speak. But what principles are you applying on your day to day outside of speaking so people can look to? And I know you're you speak your motivation speaker, whatnot, but more so people, they, they, they like you said, it's your word because they, they know they've seen what you have done. So it's like, OK, it's not even about the words. It's because I respect him because of what he's accomplished. I can look and see the work. I'm not just showing you because I'll be honest. I'll be transparent with you and the audience out there. Yeah. Um, I'm a speaker and I know last year. Um, there was a time I stopped speaking for a whole year because I realized in my soul I wasn't living what I was talking. If I was telling students certain things and I wasn't living it, I couldn't I couldn't live with that. So I said, no, I'm going to do a whole year. And I think a lot of people want to jump into the speaking thing because they say, oh, for an hour I can get X amount. But it's like if you if outside of speaking, you're not seeping a, a, like 10,000 hours or amount into the community or whatnot, then you really got to check yourself at the line before you try to have that power, man. So that's huge. So um, qu- quick thing. All right. So we done painted a picture about your success of being a 28, a principal of a school that you were changing around, featured on TV, blogs, a lot of stuff, a lot of acclaim, a lot of success. Could you take our audience to one of your lowest points to this to this to this age so we can kind of meet you where you're at? Because a lot of times um, we highlight success stories, but I want to kind of take us to one of your lowest points in your journey. Um, Lowest point. I, to be honest with you, it was like right before receiving the principalship, and then it was probably two years into it. So my first, the first situation was, you know, I didn't want to be the principal. I was afraid. I was totally afraid to be the principal, and everybody in my circumference were telling me that I can get the job done. Um, I was through three principals, right? They had fired all three of them. Mm. And it was the fourth one to come in. And I'm saying, you know, let me be the ultimate Robin to the Batman. Mm-hmm. Though I don't want to be Batman. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I don't think that, you know, I don't know if this is fixable. And I'm on a fast track. Maybe I have other opportunities if I just be patient. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember plenty of adults coming and me just saying, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And it was a student. I was doing orientation and I was telling the children, you know, I don't know who your principal is going to be, but I'm here to do my part. And so one says, you know, well, why can't you be the principal? I said, well, I don't make that decision. And I don't think that's what you want. And so, you know, another student says, well, why are you saying that? I said, because the way you all behave, I'm not going to tolerate it. And there's things that we have to accomplish. (laughs) This ain't what you want. Exactly. And another student stood up, man, and said, that's what we need. And it really clicked for me. And it wasn't like a moment there. That's all they said. But in my mind, I was like, well, if they believe in me, how can I not believe in myself and I need to pursue it? And like just during that time, I was really down about what was going to happen um, with the next principal that come in and how is it going to affect these children? Um, because I know they want it, but they're not getting the proper leadership to truly, truly uh, just exuberate their their 
potential and their ability uh, in the world. So, yeah, it was a turning point in my life. Uh, and I took it on. I took it on. And I know we'll get deeper into this story at some point. But uh, we were successful. And I remember having success and then saying, well, how do we move from 60 percent to 100 and that was a down moment because I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't think that I had the knowledge to get it done. And so I decided to enroll in the doctorate program where I felt like the knowledge would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was there. Um, and it's what took us to the, the next level, the next level. Mm. That's powerful, man. I, I appreciate you saying so. Are you are you in the are you in the doctorate program now? Um, so, no, I completed the work. The coursework, mm-hmm. so I'm done. I just need to finish my dissertation. So I am, with all the things that I have going on, carving out time in my schedule to just get it done. I'm in Chapter 2. I need to get to Chapter 5. And if I can get it done by March, I can be gra- I can graduate by April. I mean by May. Wow. That's powerful, man. So Minority Trailblazer Nation, keep them in your prayers is, man, go get the Ph.D. straight out of Patterson, New Jersey, man. So before we transition into your present day, um, I want to ask one more question, right? Go ahead. What would you tell yourself if you knew what you knew now 10 years ago? I would say to myself, stay stay the course. All things happen for a reason. Don't get discouraged Mm. because I swear to you, everything that I went through from actually, you know, almost losing my teacher certification based on the friends in which I was with on a regular basis. Right. The two worlds didn't go together. Mm -hmm. There were groups of friends of mine that were doing things that weren't legal. Mm -hmm. Right. But not with me. And I'm (laughs) totally doing the legal thing. Mm -hmm. And we would come together more so to hang out. But the picture from the outsider being painted is that he must be a part of the things that they're doing. Oh, man. Right. And so um, I had to defend my character regarding that in order for people to understand that. No, these are literally my childhood friends. And I'm more so of the shining light for them to get them to do what needs to be done. And I'm not partaking in any illegal activities. Uh, And so I would probably tell myself, just be a little bit more careful in that in that vein and ensuring that uh again you remain who you are not who people want you to be man that's powerful before we begin hey question because i know coming from where you come from and you were the one that kind of rose rose above what was going on how do you how do you because i know a lot of times if you come from an environment like that you don't ever want to be that guy that they say changed up on yep, people or yep. fell out. So how do you deal with that? Being that the, all the, all the things that you're working on now and whatnot. And then, but you, you know, you still from the, I mean, that's, that's, that's your home. Yeah. That's where you were raised. Yes. So how do you deal with that? Um, I remain accessible. I mean, I choose the space that we hang out in. I don't allow it to be chosen, but I think that it's important that I remain, uh, humble. Right. I never, I'm never speaking to people saying, you know, I have this, I have that. I'm consistently trying to get them to the place that I'm at as quickly as possible. You know, trying to find them employment if that's the, the issue or the, the roadblock for them. Make sure they have every email, my cell phone number, my text message, my 
social media, mm-hmm. anytime I can acknowledge a friend who who has struggled or been through some things but can totally get it correct, mm-hmm. I wanna I wanna make sure I do that. Um and the one thing that I feel like is unique about my, my friends is that it was always a push in the right direction. You know, they were celebrating me mm-hmm. for getting it done versus saying, you know, he's different than us now. Uh, and the communication is key. You know, people see things, they hear things, they talk, it's a lot of gossip. But the most important thing is that they can pick up a phone and you answer. Got you, man. That's that's powerful. That's powerful. So, um, the first the first round of the show that's that's where we spent a lot of the meat of our time. It was perfect, man. So we're gonna make a transition to present day. What you do now, and then also we're gonna talk about some applicable things for those that aspiring educators, aspiring administrators. And I'm gonna let you give a word to maybe some students that are listening. So the first question in this new round is, um, could you take us through um, what do you do today? Because I see online. You're your principal, but you also consult, you speak. And I look at people like uh, Dr. Steve Perry and a lot of other renowned educators across the country. And I'm like, so how can they be a principal and they speak across the country and they consult? Like, how do you how do you find time to do all that? I always want to know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yo, it's only good. 24 hours in a day. How do you how are you leading this whole school, changing the whole culture? But then going across the world, like, how do you do that? Yeah, so I don't. I, to be honest with you, I don't have that answer because <laughs> when last year, uh, two thousand fourteen fifteen, was really really rough on time, and I'm a person that says I, I believe that I'm not going to take advantage of students, right? Even though it may benefit me in terms of uh, a situation, mm-hmm. and so my last year, two thousand fourteen fifteen, was my last year as a principal. I actually resigned from the role mm-hmm. um, and not because I gave up on education. It's because I saw an opportunity where I could have more control of my schedule, but make greater impact around the country. Mm-hmm. And so the role that I'm currently in is our chief education officer for a nonprofit called the future project. And now I'm taking what I've been able to do at Shabazz in Newark into six other schools inside of Newark, as well as New York, Philly, D.C., Detroit, and San Francisco. Wow. So you're scaling up. Yeah, because I just feel like, you know, at the end of the day, we can have this chain happen, train, uh, change happen more rapidly. You know, I just think that there are principals out there, there's educators out there, there's children out there that need the knowledge. And if I can train up the right administration to get the knowledge quicker, then we can see change more rapidly. And so that's really, really what I've been pursuing. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to even step out of the principal role, but still be so close to the children. Mm. And so what is a So what is a, So two questions. One, um, how was it when you had to share, tell your, tell your students and your people that, um, that you were leaving? Oh, that, that was a, a moment, man. I, I was prepping for that day that conversation i was thinking about how can i you know make minimal impact uh and one of the things that i was able to do was have consistent convocations with my children by design so every morning when my students enter the school building the first 20 minutes i lead them in convocation and so every morning so -hmm. that may be a motivational speech that may be a motivational speech from um, another speaker, 
Mm-hmm. Um, a historian such as Martin Luther King or Malcolm X Shabazz or Marcus Garvey or Jesse Jackson or whoever we were choosing at that at point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, we will also celebrate them there, you know, give them awards for of, of all kinds from North Face book bags to gift cards to purchase uh, clothing or whatever it is that they chose to purchase with it. Um, we actually had the NFL come out. Oh, wow. Our big shout out to Quentin Copels just gave the students tickets to the game, access to the player parking lot, gift bags full of of autograph paraphernalia from the Jets at his uh, when he was there. Mm-hmm. So all of this stuff would happen during convocation. So in preparation for me to transition into a new role, I just wanted to have real talk with them as consistent as I could. And so every Friday I allowed for them to ask me questions about why what was next? How would I still be able to be in contact with them? Um, and they owned it. They accepted it. And before you knew it, you had a strong amount of the student population saying, you know, do what you got to do. We understand as long as we are able to see you and reach out to you. Um, we're happy with that. And then you just had a group of students that were like, you're leaving us. We're disappointed. We don't like that you're going. And uh, and that was rough for me. Mm-hmm. That's I mean. I mean, shout out to you for really not not just giving a PR release, not just giving a statement, one quick speech. You having that open and transparent with students because honestly, you didn't have to do that. Some some principals, man, they get a better job, more money, more impact. They just dip. They give a they, they yeah. maybe give a speech, and sometimes they don't even give that. So that's powerful. You treated them like like people. That's like if you're leaving a relationship. Yeah. I mean, you treat them like people. And I think a lot of educators could take a. I'm not. As a matter of fact, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm not about to speak on the educators because I'm not an educator. I'm outside Got speaking it. in my church. So, but yeah, I get your drift. I get your drift, man. So, could you briefly explain? Because then we're gonna go to. I got some questions for you so that for our teachers and our school administrators or people that want to get into education. But before I do that, could you? What is a typical day like for you? I know typical. A lot of people ask people that like, I, there's no such thing as a typical day. But <laughs> um, so I get up. I wake up at four four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, get ready, and I head to the gym. I work out from about five to seven, and then I head into the office. and And that could be very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I may go to the office for a quick meeting, um, and then I'm in school buildings. I'm working with principals. I'm working with well, what we call dream directors in the organization, which we can get into later. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm coaching teachers. I'm coaching principals. I'm coaching uh, assistant superintendents. I'm meeting with higher level administrators in the district to make things happen for children. I'm raising uh, dollars. And then also, depending on the day of the week or the month, I'm traveling. So uh, today at seven o'clock, I'm on my way to New Orleans. I'll be there all the way until Sunday. And then I'll be back in New Jersey uh, to begin the process of searching for new, uh, what we call dream directors, to be a part, again, of our organization uh, and speaking engagements, mm-hmm. right? Answering those emails, meeting with my executive assistant to make sure she's on that, receiving awards, selling tickets. Like, it just, <laughs> I'm telling you, man. It, <laughs> and then after 5 o'clock, you have a bunch of other meetings from people who uh, feel like they have the greatest idea for you to plug into and want to be a part of. So you, you hold the meetings uh, and trying to decide if this is good for children and if you want to put you know your stamp on it. Mm-hmm. And then we're talking about it's 10 o'clock uh, and, and you are uh, 
done. And you can't even do that every day, at least for me, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, I have children. I have two, actually. I have a, a three-year-old and a four-year-old. Oh, man. So, whoa, whoa, I didn't even know that. That's crazy. You do it. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yes. So um, that's the need, again, for this flexibility to be able to work from home, to be able to have these things. Uh, the the luxury of, of having control of your schedule is priceless. If that's any advice that I can give to a young professional, focus on getting into a place where you can have more control of your day. Mm-hmm. That will alleviate a lot of stress. Um, and so, yeah, I'm able to plug that stuff in the way I need to for a typical day. And then I'm able to shut it out to say, you know, nope, this is my family time and it's, and I can't meet during that time. That's real. That's real. And if you could um, talk about, because I, I know you alluded to it earlier, before we get to the applicable questions, please talk about more in depth the future project and kind of the, the company you work for now and quickly tell to our audience the vision of the, of the company and whatnot. Okay. And so um, our, our mission vision is I want, I can't, I will. It's this belief that anything that you want to create in the world is possible. And what we find is that there are many people within the school system, uh, specifically children, who have a fixed mindset, right? Mm-hmm. And then success, success is, has a skewed vision of, well, success is graduate high school, go to college, get a job. Well, maybe, that, maybe that's not the definition of success for everyone. And so we want people to begin now in high school trying to identify what their passion is, because what we find is that when kids are passionate about something, right, they, they and, and can identify a purpose in it, mm-hmm. is power in that, right? They become leaders. And so our organization actually puts what we call a dream director mm-hmm. inside of a school every day. And this person is a life coach slash guidance counselor on steroids. <laughs> great, great, great analogy. <laughs> Literally, I mean, uh, a student has an idea. That idea actually becomes real because the students are encouraged to begin to take steps forward toward it. Mm-hmm. And then we actually coach them to pr- production. So just an example, had a young lady that was passionate about sneakers. Mm-hmm. She said she wanted to open a sneaker store. So she works with the dream director and says, well, how can we make that purposeful for your, your the students in which you attend school with? adults in the building like what's a problem that you feel exists mm-hmm. that you can utilize your passion to solve so she says you know what obesity is a problem and i would like to use sneakers as motivation to get people to lose weight mm, okay we're getting there okay okay what's next what's next yes yeah, so the so the young lady then creates a program a weight loss program that says that you know the the, the biggest losers will receive sneakers in exchange for their hard work and dedication. Working with the dream director, this young lady produces flyers to post all around in the building with my approval. She recruits her own training coach, which was a former basketball coach of hers, to hold the workouts at 6 a.m. and 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. She, And so now we have a program. We're ready to go. People are signed up, but she has no sneakers. Mm-hmm. So we actually got an opportunity at the school to work with Reebok, Reebok bought Shaq out and they bought a bunch of uh, like ambassadors to come to the school and meet with the children. Mm-hmm. Dream director says, listen, here's your shot to get what you need to have your program really, really Go come off powerfully. Mm-hmm. 
she approached the ambassador, asked them to come back to the school to hear about her project. They came. She presented to them. She told them she needed sneakers in order to give to the participants. And they sent all the sneakers over to this young lady. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And we were to document that. So we have that video of this actually happening from her start to finish. Where's that at? Where can we find it at? Uh, if you went on to YouTube and, and search Shabazz Bulldog Nation, mm-hmm. within that, there is a uh, video by Nequasia Rattray, mm-hmm. and, and where she creates this program of her own, brings it to life, and, and actually, you know, again, produce the project that she was passionate about. Man, that's... Words can express how phenomenal that sounds. I mean, that's very encouraging. That's powerful. So now I got a couple questions that I want to ask that we're just talking about actionable advice. All right. Mm-hmm. So for audience, audience, people that are listening, they might have a younger brother, younger sister in high school that for some reason. And I'll speak specifically for my example, my, my, my younger brother, um, he's 16, sophomore in high school. And. He doesn't play sports, and he's really not that active, and his grades are not that good. So, what would it, what would some advice would you be to the the siblings of to a young professional that has a younger brother or younger sister that is not actively engaged in school? What would you advice to, What would advice would you give to somebody like us in my situation? Um, you got to do a lot of inquiry. Mm-hmm. I think that is extremely important that you find out what it is that interests that young person. You have to communicate with them. Oftentimes, as adults, we tell them what they need to be doing. You need to do sports. You need to be in the band. Why are you not doing this? Why are you not participating in that? And we're basically giving them a bunch of things that work for us and what we were passionate about. And we're failing to ask them, what excites you? And then depending on the teenagers, sometimes you can't find out what excites them. And so you have to assist them in figuring it out what they actually love to do more often than not. Mm -hmm. I think that once you can identify that thing, just be relentless at forcing them to do things that lead them in the direction that they want to go. And I've, I've saw tons of breakthroughs happen with children. When we do that, no idea is a bad idea. A student may say, you know, I really just want to cook. And to someone who doesn't understand how culinary can be mm-hmm. a success, mm-hmm. they're like, what? Why would you want <laughs> something like that? Why are you cooking? You're talking about cooking. You need to be going to science class getting the A. Dude, don't even like science. Hey, right. And now and now the student is discouraged and doesn't even want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And so my, my advice will be to listen. Be a, a counselor for your younger brother, younger sister, or people in which you interact with. Listen Right. And then once you hear things that you can really focus in on, give them the proper advice on how to take the next steps and and make it really concise. If you're passionate about, let's say, cooking, um, let come back to me with a list of jobs that's out there or companies in which you would like to replicate Mm. from there. Let's let's get to the and then we go one step to the next step to the next step. Crystal clear. Yep. Got you, got you. So two more questions in the vein of that. What would you say to a young adult few years into their career and either doesn't like their job or not experiencing the growth they believe they deserve? 
Because the reason mm. why I ask that, because I'm not a lot of people that are around 20, 23, 24, 25, they're in the career and either they don't like what they're doing or they feel like they're not getting the growth that they deserve at that time. Um, if you don't like what you're doing, I would encourage you to try and identify something you do like. And that may not mean a full career change, right? So I don't want you to uh, be uh, like Creed, like the movie Creed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not encouraging anyone to like quit a great paying job and go box, right? Because that's <laughs> your love. Um, but what I am saying, even within the context, let's say you went to school for four years and you're an educator, right? Now, within education, there's a ton of jobs that people don't necessarily uh pursue or, or or they're not aware of them when they actually go to school. So you may be a certified teacher who really, really wants to focus more on a dean type role, mm-hmm. or you may want to be a, a advisor of some sort or counselor of some sort. You may even decide that, you know, the school is somewhere that you thought you wanted to be, but central office is a better place for you. Maybe uh, something in human resources Maybe you can be a special assistant to a superintendent. Like all of these things must come into play and you have to identify and align yourself with a job description that lights lights you up when you read it. Mm. Because I feel like if you're not happy, then you're probably holding yourself back from promotions. Mm. Right? You're not smiling enough. The charisma that's needed is not present. Your planning and preparation doesn't show the dedication that um, your principal or your vice principal is looking for, for you to actually be considered for the newer role. And it may all be because you just are not showing what you're really capable of. Mm, That's that's real, man. That's real. And like I said, I don't got to say nothing else to that. You spoke to it right there. And I guess the last last question I have is two things. If you had to say a couple words to teachers out there, what would you say? And then the question beyond that, the next level question is, have you just had to say a few encouraging sentences or some things that school administrators should should be aware of out there? What would you say to them? I would say uh, be unwavering in the policy. And this is for the Uh, teacher or the school administrator? This is for both. Okay. This is for both. Mm Mm-hmm. Because um, oftentimes I find that children take advantage of teachers who allow things or teachers and administrators who allow things to occur mm-hmm. in exchange for rapport and relationship building. Ooh, you you hitting something right there. You hitting something right there. Explain, get deeper into that. Wow. Mm. And so and so what happens is you have a student who totally breaks the rule policy. And then a teacher, in order to gain some type of, uh, again, a greater relationship with the child, they would say, okay, well, I'm not going to hold you accountable to that. I feel like that is the worst thing an administrator or a teacher could ever do. Because though you may have gained a point with the child, you've lost so much respect in your authority department. Because they feel like I can do this again, and because you're cool, I can allow it. I I can um, I can get away with it. And wow. I would say that the worst point is when the student acts as a teenager and says, 
oh, you're trying to discipline me now after I've gotten away times? <laughs> you, you've heard it all. I know you, in, 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 as a teacher, as a principal, what you do now, I know you heard that a thousand times. Oh, she didn't say nothing to me then, so now she want to write me up. Or Oh, up. yes. Mm. Yep. And so this, my advice, I'm, I'm, I think that this was very, very key and impactful. Not the only thing, but a big thing is that we we held true to the policy at Shabazz High School during my time there. So if a student had a fight, it didn't matter if you was uh, related to me or not. The policy said you must receive X amount of days suspension. Period. And that's it. I didn't care if the parent was angry. I didn't care who family was coming up to the school. We're going to follow the policy. But the most important thing is that I didn't become uh, a disengaged person after I did something like that. Because now I want to meet with the parent. I want to meet with the student. I want to even allow the student to have voice to begin to rationalize in their own mind why this is the case. And I'm telling you, I've won so many hearts and minds because students begin to understand that, you know, Principal Mills doesn't hate me. He cares enough to know that I need to learn the lesson right now so that my future, I can never make these decisions again. Man, I won't say anything on top of that. That's powerful. Um, I never thought about it in that, that that respect because even sometimes when I mentor kids and whatnot or when I'm speaking at school, sometimes that um I let some kids slide, but of course that that one okay now oh Mr. Hill cool he relatable and whatnot, but now this that's that's not the point. Your your point you're not trying to you're not trying to gain a followers from kids. You're trying to instill certain certain things in them that's going to outweigh ten times ten years twenty years from they forget for you for that that for that moment you were there. So that's powerful, man. I, I got a lot from that. So now we're gonna go to our last round quickly. We're gonna talk about and then we're gonna go to wrap it up. What what can we expect from 2016 from you? 2016, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, I want to be, uh, doc. I want to have my doctorate graduated. Mm-hmm. I'm in chapter six of this book. It's called The Turnaround, 180 Days of Change mm-hmm. is the blueprint for me and for other educators around the country in order to uh, instill these practices, best practices within their schools to begin to turn around their schools rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, it will be filled with stories, real t- real stories from um, experiences at Shabazz High School, mm-hmm. as well as the pedagogy needed in order to, or the empirical research to support the strategies in which I in- implemented in Shabazz High School. So I'm hoping to have that launch in, uh, sometime in June. Mm-hmm. Um, and I plan to show up in this education reform conversation, um, pretty, pretty heavy, meaning, you know, charter schools and public schools have really, really been the only two avenues of options for reforming education. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm saying and what my organization is saying, as we're saying, maybe resources don't need to be pulled from either or. So if you've already established yourself as a charter or a public, that's okay. But what we need to do is add value to what it is that already exists. Because maybe we don't need a new school building. Maybe it's just a few things missing within the buildings that are there presently that can be done 
and we can have major breakthrough in American in America's education. Wow. That's that's powerful, man, because I know I see it all the time right now in the school systems and, and these new schools coming out. And it's like, yo, this school right here needs funding. You you just creating a whole nother school. You're giving a couple million dollars of funding to this, but we, we have these needs right there. Or schools that are not properly optimized certain things. Yep. So that that's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother day, man. So, yeah, definitely. Book. So when are you have you officially let everybody know when you're going to uh, launch the book or is that still in the wraps now? You know, that's a, that's a tentative date. Mm-hmm. Um. I usually do uh, exciting things around my birthday. I, like, <laughs> I usually do exciting things around my birthday. That's a, that's a <laughs> yeah, right. I guess everybody does. Right? <laughs> but no, I feel like that's like my year in wrap up. I, I fit um, in my life when I look back at it, all my major milestones have happened around that day. From graduations, right? My birthday's June twenty fifth, so graduations would happen on that day. Bought my first house on that day. Um, I think I received my administration's first administrative job on that day. So things like that, I feel like the energy is right for a release date around that time. But it still have to do the writing. So a lot of writing going on. Man, that's that's powerful. And I'm glad that in your book, luckily that's like you're like going to be the perfect mix of application, but also the importance of data. So you can statistically back it up because a lot of times – um, in books and you read ad nauseum about people that have opinions and have things that may have worked for them, but if the data doesn't support it, a lot of times it's hard to replicate that success. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're going to have the data and certain things that you can kind of took from. So for the academic people, they can be like, cause a lot of times you probably have seen it. People maybe look at your background, the way you operate with students and be like, okay, he can work there, but I can't do it because, or his strategies only work for certain type of students, but probably in your book, there's going to be things that, can really apply to a lot of different areas too, not just maybe someone from an urban failing system. Maybe it's a failing system in suburbia or something like that. Yes. So oh. um, I'm glad that you were able to bring value to that. And before I end the, the that this round and get to our last round, what is the t- – because I know a lot of young professionals that listen to this podcast that say they want to help out with the community and whatnot, but their time is stretched too. So what would be one thing that you would tell a young professional that, that wants to be more involved in the community, especially of those of color, but really don't, uh, they don't really know how to approach it. Um, I would say, I mean, the, the, the easiest thing to do, because I'm a hundred percent sure that there are organizations in every community mm-hmm. that has already thought through a way to have you enter a school. Yep. Right. And mentor a student. And so just to speak on one that I thought was very innovative inside of, uh, the New Jersey area, it's called I Could Be, and it's literally an online mentorship where you can talk to a child at whatever time of the day you need to through text message. It's a safe system. Um, through email, there's actually a list of questions for you to interact with the student with if you're at a loss for how to get the conversation going. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have opportunities throughout the year to kind of meet that person face-to-face um, because we know that that face-to-face time is the most impactful time, but we also are aware that, you know, you're trailblazing, you're on the go and Mm -hmm. you're doing things in your own life. But one hour with technology that we have today could change your life. I mean, you don't have an hour to FaceTime, a half hour to FaceTime with a student just to say, do this, you're doing great. Like, I love it, you know, um, and giving them feedback on, on things that they have going on in their life can be changing, life changing for sure. 
You know, even if it isn't a student, like in just in a random high school, mm-hmm. just take a look around the people within your circumference that have children or have brothers and sisters that you could assist. Do something. I mean, Kendrick Lamar just put out a whole video about how he wants to mentor because mentoring it was big for his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pay it forward, pay it forward. Like, I mean, because I, I, I get it all the time. Somebody's like, well, how can I be more involved? Or all this other stuff. It's like, well, you know, you got a great career. You're consulting for a Fortune 100 company. Well, you know how to get involved. Don't don't beat around the bush. Like, this, it, right. ain't that, it ain't that hard to, to get involved. And I and the, the program is called I Could Be. Yeah, that's a program that, that exists. Um, I think it's in the tri-state area. That's uh, a great model, though. That's, that's yeah. oh, my goodness. It takes, you yeah, know. Like it. Yeah, man. So I'm definitely going to have that in the show notes as well. So that will wrap up that round before because the culture change round, I'm going to ask these questions, then we're going to wrap it up. So is there one last piece of parting advice you would like to give to our listeners before the culture change round that you haven't already touched on? For any of the, the children out there listening, be patient, right? There's a lot of life to live um, outside of your teenage years. So just be patient because there's things coming your way. Don't block your blessings. By doing something that uh, you're gonna regret for the next 50 years of your life. Oh, amen. And that's honestly that 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 involves for for my age and probably yourself as well because that's one thing we always get caught up in social media age and everything else that you you think your career is supposed to be something that you have to work two year two more decades to get. You I mean back in the day. Grown adults didn't get BMWs today, like 40 or 50. They earned it. And now we got cats copping BMWs fresh out of college. I mean, it's a black people, too. This ain't like they they come from money. I mean, I know a guy. Yeah, Yeah, we could talk about that all day. So we're just going to jump into our last round, our most exciting round, our culture change round, which is a series of five rapid-fire questions that's going to be culminating five rapid-fire answers as well. So you ready to rock? All right, go. Go. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Uh, uh, probably from, uh, I guess from my mother, just like be aware of your surroundings, uh, and don't say yes to everything too quickly. Mm. That second part is crucial, especially when you start doing a lot of stuff. What is one of your personal habits that you can attribute to your success? Consistency. Do what you say you're going to do on the days in which you say you're going to get them done. If that is happening, you will be winning. Mm. What is your favorite book and why? Uh, my favorite book. I've been talking about this one a lot. So it's on my mind. I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite book. But uh, Blink by Malcolm Gladwell mm-hmm. is, is, a, is a very good book that I like. It's all about stereotypes and how people judge you extremely quick, even though all the ingredients may be there for you to be successful. But because the judgment has already occurred, they can't even see past it. Mm, I'm going to check that out. Everything that we talk about is going to be in the show notes. So boom. Um, what inspires you the most and keeps you motivated? Children. Children keep me motivated and they inspire me the most. But each time that I can see a child's success manifest and know that I've actually been a part of that process, it makes me understand that if I did it for one, that I can do it for millions. And if I can do it for millions, then we can begin to correct this imbalance that exists in the world, in education, as well as success. Mm. And our last question for this round, and then we have one final question we ask all our guests. The last one for this, this round right here is, if you were the president of the United States, what would the first thing you would do? If I was the president of the United States, <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> the first thing that I, I would probably do 
And this is just because of my field of expertise. Mm-hmm. I will I will probably look into the funding formula for the way in which we fund schools and figure out ways for ch- for parents and families to have more choice and options over where their children go to school. Mm. Short and sweet. That's that's deep. Um, and then, like I said, I call myself, um, and we're all culture agents, but I took the moniker like a couple years ago and I just ran with it. Like Greg Hill, the culture change agent, and you're a culture change agent. So this last question is pivotal, and this is outside the rapid answer question, so take as much time you can to kind of get it because it's the last point of the show. All right, okay. so if you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, what would it be and why? I think that, and I don't know, I mean, and again, I'm again pigeoning holding this into something that I'm familiar with, which is education. Mm-hmm. And I would want to change, and it's probably, if I was the president, this would be applicable as well. I would change the history curriculum in which we uh, are given. Because the first time we learn about African Americans or Africans, our ancestors or anything, we typically learn them as slaves. Mm. And even when we are taught Egyptian history, we're taught it as if it doesn't exist in Africa, as if it's like its own separate place in the world. And I think that it's extremely important that for African-Americans, they understand their history and that you weren't always someone who was told what to do and that you were someone who built, created, and you influenced uh, a world not just a nation and many of the things that your ancestors have created in, in the world live on through the stuff that you experience each day. And so I think that at the, at the core of a person that really under and truly understands their history and where they come from, they will make different decisions and think things through uh, before, you know, the, they make a thousand dollars on a check and then spend 800 of it, on some Giuseppe's. <laughs> wow, that's that's powerful, man. I never, it's crazy. I never thought about it like that. I mean, as far as right when you look in the history book, and everybody can attest, when you start started social studies, when you're in school, the first time you see a black person is when he's on that ship. And you learn about this, you learn about the most tragic, mm, one yeah. of the most deepest times in our, our culture coming to America. That's the first thing you see is that passage. And it's like, Goodness gracious. So it'd be very, very, very rich if we started in Egypt when we were kings and doing all this other stuff. Yeah. So that's powerful, man. So to wrap it all up, I just want to say, because then, one, where can everybody find more information about you, what you do, the 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 the, the future project? And what are you what is what are you where are you at on social media? Because if anybody want to get in contact with you, uh, my handle uh, is principal uh, Pat with P.A.L. Not principal um, P.L.E. Principal Mills on Instagram, Principal.Mills on Snapchat, Principal Mills on Twitter, Jamar Mills on Facebook. Um, also, my website, JamarMills.com, um, or just Google. Google my name, and a lot of those things will come up and point you in the right direction. I'm pretty active on social media, just keeping um, things up to date with what it is that I have going on. And then if you want to learn more about the organization, which is a powerful organization is the future project is the future project.org. Um, and you can learn tons of stuff. You can see all of the stories uh, from many children across the nation that are really, really just 
showing up in the world in amazing ways and producing things that uh, you wouldn't expect to see at such early ages. So I just want to thank you from Minority Trailblazer Nation, from myself, from giving us over an hour of your time, man, dropping bomb after bomb after bomb. And, man, I'm excited, and I can't wait to share this with the masses, man. So I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart for giving us this time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Boom. Another episode done. Season two on the way. We killing it right now, man. I'm so blessed. I'm so pumped. 25,000 downloads in counting. And that's probably, I'm probably shortchanging myself all across the country, all across the world, just because of you. Like, don't get it twisted. It's because of you. So continue to support the show. Continue to share the show. If you you like the show, rate it on SoundCloud. Oh, I mean, follow on SoundCloud. Rate it on iTunes. Subscribe and then tell a friend. One friend that could benefit from it. So, like I said, thank you, Principal Mills, for coming through on the show. And I pray that everybody that's listening to it right now that made it to the end, y'all have a phenomenal and blessed week. And remember, support the book. All right, I got a book coming out May 20th. It's on the way. Pre-order. Every pre-order copy is going to a student on my Remember Your Genius Tour in the fall. And you say, Greg, I want to buy the book. I want to pre-order. Where can I get it at? Greggyhill.com backslash book. It's that simple. GreggyHill.com backslash book. That's it. That's all I got to say. It's been an amazing episode. Shout out to Drizzy Drake. We need to get him on the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Views on the way. Let's get it. And y'all having a phenomenal week. Oh, I forgot to say. Y'all know how we do it. And then every episode, I need you to do one thing. What is that, Mr. Hill? That has changed the freaking culture. Good night.